And I'm Madeline. Welcome to Girls Girls on on a Soapbox. We're work friends turned best friends getting on a new soapbox every episode. We take on every topic from the girls group chat laughing, crying, and giving you all the advice we wish we got. Hey everyone. Hey. It's Girls on a Soapbox and we're on a soapbox and we're here. And we're back, baby. Madeline, how are you? (sighs) Sava. God, there's so many feelings in the air today. I know. There's so many feelings in the air. Always. Always, that's true. But I actually have been really excited to talk to you and update you because you know how a handful of weeks ago I was telling you, or in our like wellness episode, Mm -hmm. and I was like, check back in a few weeks to a month and I'll let you know if I did a yoga class. Guess you did a yoga class this morning. You did. I did. That's amazing. And I loved it. I loved it so much. So I'm feeling good. I'm mostly feeling proud of myself for like holding to what I said. And I'd like to thank the pod because I think it literally helped me accountable. That's amazing. Yeah. I stopped taking my vitamins because I missed like three days Mm. and then three days turned into a week so I need to get back on my vitamins that's fair it's just such a chore listen three times a day it sucks but I need to be accountable yeah and if there's anyone who understands just cold turkey quitting taking something that's actually really necessary it's me Oh my gosh, should we tell that story? <laughs> yeah, we should tell that story. You know what is actually really funny is that story is actually incredibly relevant to this <laughs> oh, topic yeah. today. That's perfect, actually. Okay, so um, let's do a quick what's making you cry, what's making you die, and should we just dive into the story and then introduce the topic? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. What's making me cry is that my friend Isabel, she is a dear friend from childhood and her and her very wonderful boyfriend are moving from Texas to Pennsylvania. And at first when I heard, I was very sad like you are, but I'm so happy for them and she drove up to spend the weekend with us and it was amazing and I had the best time with her and I giggled a lot and we both love the Real Housewives Mm. and so we like watched a bunch of fun ones, we got our nails done, we laughed, we cried, we ate salads, we ate pie. It was perfection. That sounds like your ideal weekend. It was so great, and she's just such a great friend, Mm -hmm. and I just value those friendships, and so it makes me teary-eyed, and I'm very thankful um, for that time I got with her. What's making me die? Like, what am I obsessed with right now? I think I'm obsessed with the weather changing. Mm. We obviously talked about this last time with our season forecasting, but I'm obsessed with summer being over. I'm done. Mm-hmm. It's like ugly now and I hate it. And I'm obsessed with the makeup brand Merit. Oh, I've, I've still been, been wanting ob- to try that. I've been obsessed for a while. I think that like... When I was younger and 
single, I feel like younger, I mean like a few years ago, mm-hmm. I loved doing my makeup. Like the more steps, the better. It was very like meditative and fun for me. And mm-hmm. I would do like contour and, you know, whatever. And that has just really stopped appealing to me. And Merit is like a clean beauty brand and a lot of their makeup is like in stick form. Mm -hmm. So it's like big crayons on your face. Fun. Non-toxic and really like really beautiful colors and very natural. And I'm obsessed and I restocked on a few of their things this weekend. That's great. So I'm obsessed with that. I would recommend people try it. I love that. Your turn, Madeline. Okay, incredible. Um, What's making me cry right now? I think it's kind of a follow-up from last week. Um, But you know how I was telling you, like, I'm kind of feeling like there's been a, a change in pace for me where I'm, like, ready to start making plans more and, like, committing to plans and putting myself out there a little bit more. Um, and this week I did two new things. I took a kickboxing class and I took a yoga class and both of them I took with friends. And so I'm just like, what's making me die right now is this like rejuvenation of my social life and like the energy to have a social life. And I'm just like feeling so much more like myself lately, which is so good and like today I was just driving around I I took like an 8 30 yoga class and then got coffee with my friend and we like talked about boys and whatever and and like ate some breakfast tacos and then I like drove with the windows down and listened to Paul Simon and like really felt like myself and so that's just really making me die I feel like for the first time in so long, I'm recognizing myself emotionally. And so that's like, honestly, that's what's making me cry and die. I love that, Madeline. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Because I really you appreciate were it. really like in a season of burnout for a little yeah, while. Yeah, yes. I was just in a season of burnout or uh, like burnout and survival for two years. And I feel like I'm suddenly are finally rounding the corner. So that's what's making me cry and that's what's making me die. Brill. Brill. I love that. Brill. Thanks. I love trying on new words for size. Oh, okay. Gosh, okay. I have to tell you this before we get started. Uh You know how I love picking up a new phrase every once in a while? I said this the other day and I was like, wait, I'm going to start saying this all the time specifically I love saying phrases in contexts that don't match but it still works but I'm gonna start saying that's grounds for annulment like in an everyday context so for example like a friend of mine the other day was like oh did you uh like did you not tell me that you were gonna go do yada yada and I was like, oh my gosh, no, I just didn't do it. That would have been grounds for annulment. You know what I'm saying? I get it. Yeah. Or like, if you were like, Madeline, do did you not drink the coffee that I made for you? And I'd be like, no, that would have been grounds for annulment. I get it. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. So anyway, that's my new phrase. Outside of new phrases, which I love, um, 
I get really fixated on like certain TikTok sounds or like if I see a video or a clip from a TV show, I get like fixated on the noise. Right. And there's one I'm like very fixated on right now and I don't think I can say it because it's got like some really bad words. Like how bad? Pretty much, I would let Gemma know that she is a... The shoes that she gave to me were not particularly shoes that I would buy for myself. They were old maiden type of shoes. It's it's this, like, interview with... It's this interview with this, like, iconic reality star, Tiffany Poland, who was, like, New York on, like... Uh, flavor of love like wow what a throwback yeah she's been so prolific in the reality tv world and she was recently on a show i think it's called like i'm a celebrity get me out of here and it's in the (laughs) uk and she's talking about Gemma collins who i love who was became famous on the only way is essex which is like the best reality tv show okay i don't know either of these people but i'm tracking her speech is in my head. Oh, okay. Can you do bleep out the C word? I feel bad. I think I'll literally just have to cut it out. I don't know how to add a bleep over anything. I'm I'm new. Okay. <laughs> I'm just a fresh young baby. That's um, but yeah, I'll just cut it out for you. <laughs> Let's tell the story that we were just talking about. Okay, so yes. This is funny, but not funny. Okay, so here's here's the story. So what would you say? Probably like, um. Over a year ago at this point. It wasn't? Yeah, because it was not this summer, but the summer before that, right? I didn't think it was the summer. I thought it was kind of recent, but I don't know. No, no, no. It was literally like last summer. Wow. So anyway, last summer, I was like really going through it. And... You were depressed. Let's call it what No, it yeah. I was severely depressed. Yeah. I was severely depressed, but I didn't like... You know how before, there's like, at least for me, normally like a two-week period within depression where I don't know that I'm depressed yet. Mm. Like, it hasn't hit me, and then it's like, the veil is torn, and then I'm like, oh, I've been fucking depressed for, for weeks. A while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's literally like that scene from Parks and Rec when Andy's like, I'm fine. I just <laughs> Yeah. Not hungry. None of my hobbies interest me. Like nothing. I'm never happy. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so that's exactly what it was. And I was coming into work and Sava and I would like get so I mean, this is how we would be together. We'd be like giddy to talk and we'd be so chatty and Yeah. And normally the vibes were great. But I had been coming in to work for weeks at this point, just, like, dragging tail, like... So sad. So sad, and unwell, like unmotivated. Flat. Yes, exactly. I had, like, no personality. Yeah. And no interest in my work. Like, I was just completely deflated. And you were going home, like, from work. Let's say you left at, like, four, and you would just go home and sleep. Yeah, that's true. Classic sign. Right, exactly. And <laughs> so... I didn't, so I was just kind of in this place where I was like, you know, it just is what it is. Like, I've always, I am like a chronically depressed girly, so it's not like it was anything crazy for me. I mean, it sucked ass, but like it wasn't a new experience that was like shaking me because I was like, oh, what the heck is this? I was Mm -hmm. like, you know, whatever. 
But right. but Saba and I were talking one day. And, and I am not myself a depression girly. I lean more anxiety. Mm-hmm. But I have very, very intimate experience with depression mm-hmm. with people that I love. So I'm pretty quick to notice warning signs. Yeah, that's true. Unfortunately, I am both a depression and anxiety girly. Not that I want to one-up your, like, severe anxiety because that is a situation worth, like, its own merit. But just for the context. Of course. For the context. Well, actually, your anxiety plays a big role into this. Right. No, exactly. you had, let's say, six months before that, um, gone to your therapist mm-hmm. for anxiety issues not depression right and you had been prescribed yeah. you had been prescribed something for anxiety right not for depression no for anxiety yes so my therapist had that said that detail is gonna play really heavily in a few minutes yeah that's true so I yes yeah, so I went to my therapist I started seeing a new therapist and I was like hey by the way I'm literally waking up every day with a heart rate of like 7,000 over 20. I don't know what heart rates are supposed to be, but it was bad. And I would wake up every day. My anxiety is physical. And so it's like my mind is pretty quiet, but my body is like wired. So my therapist said, yes, here is your, what is the word? like Prescription? No. Diagnosis? No. <laughs> it's like when they like give you a reference for another doctor so that the doctor can be like thank you yeah so my therapist was like here's a referral for your doctor so she knows like you've been seeing a therapist and you were advised to go get medication so anyway got prescribed um an anxiety medication Lexapro. Why did I feel like I wasn't allowed to say that? I like know. I, I literally could. Did you thing. feel the same thing? I yeah, don't know yeah, why. Yeah. I was on Lex. I am on Lexapro. And anyway, so I had been on it for like six months, feeling so much better. Yeah. Feeling so much better, and I got to the point where I was waking up in the mornings and like my body was regulated. I wasn't feeling like the physical symptoms of anxiety. I was feeling so much better. But something about me is that, like, I can't... There is a block in my mind where I cannot... Force yourself to renew your prescription. Yes. To refill your prescription. I will do it on my phone. I will not pick it up. And I will get calls and texts, and they will tell me that it's ready, and I will not pick it up. It's just, like, an errand that you hate. It's just, like, the one thing. I couldn't explain it. I No, I totally get it. And when Madeline had told me that she had been prescribed Lexapro, I, right when it happened, I had been familiar with it because people that I know who struggle with depression mm-hmm. were prescribed Lexapro. And so I only knew it in the context of depression. But yes. I, it, it was just like a random detail. Yeah. And I just clocked that you had said that about anxiety. Right. So mind you, like, I am not trying to shit on my doctor, but it wasn't explicitly stated to me that this was something that would help both anxiety and depression. I think the key point that was missed is that 
you have to take this basically every day forever Mm -hmm. unless you have like a very intense and planned cutting back process right you cannot just stop taking it yeah you can't it'll it, it will completely fuck your brain right and like deplete you of all of your serotonin literally like you will be more depressed than when you started and it will really mess with your chemistry Madeline did not think that she was going cold turkey off of a really intense medication. She had just forgotten to refill her prescription. Right. It was never my intention. It just happened. And you didn't even realize it. Yeah. And so basically what I had told Sava was like, it was, so we were having this conversation. Or you, you were just saying, hey, I'm depressed. Yeah, and I was like, I'm feeling really bad. And Sava was like, yeah, I know you've literally come in with the most apparent ennui every day for weeks. Yeah. And, you know, I was saying, like, you know, the crazy thing is my anxiety is not so bad, but my depression has gone through the roof. And that's when I asked you are you still taking Lexapro? Because I also have a very personal experience with someone stopping taking that exact drug and, like, to pretty dire consequences. Right. And so I was like, no, I just... No, I think that's when I said, I was like, no, my anxiety's really not been that bad, and, like, I I forgot to renew my prescription, but my anxiety hasn't been bad, so, like, I didn't really think too much about it and I was like oh my god Madeline like your brain is mush right now you're in withdrawal and <laughs> literally like, what I had no idea I was like you are in withdrawal your serotonin is like in the toilet yeah in the you're negatives okay. for sure you were like what are you talking about I was like you can't stop taking Lexapro you just can't or it'll, you have to wean off of it you hadn't been told, which I think is crazy, mm-hmm. and that's just, like, a great reminder to do your own research about, you know, side effects and, like, ask que- lots of questions, yeah. because unfortunately, you should have been told. Right. But, like, and it was also my first really aren't. Right. And it was also my first ever experience with any medication for mental health so it just didn't occur to me at all and there should be like way more education on that but you were in shock Mm -hmm. and it was almost this relief yes you were like oh I have like basically a chemical illness right right now like almost like a flu right like a severe chemical imbalance in my brain right now through no fault of your own so basically sava completely saved me and made me renew my prescription right then and there and then i got back on it within a a day probably and it takes like a couple of weeks to like get back in your system for the you know chemicals Mm -hmm. to get recalibrated but it's like a fixable problem right well so (laughs) i was really happy to find out that this was like a logistical issue yeah and I wasn't just like feeling so sad but it was like logistically I was depleted of all serotonin yes and basically all of that to say is that sometimes suffering is optional 
And that is our soapbox for today. Um, actually, it was a friend of ours, Sharon, who mm-hmm. first said this phrase to us. And I forget even like what context it was in. It was me being unwell again. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think it blew both of our minds. Sharon sometimes just drops facts. And she was like, you know, sometimes suffering is optional. And I was like, what? And pretty much then and there, that is what made me decide to like change my life. And I know that that sounds so like... MLM, girl bossy, like even a little bit like rally for a corporate event type. But literally hearing her say that, I was like, oh, I am putting myself through some things that are unnecessary. Right. I think there is like so much real suffering in the world that it would behoove all of us to pinpoint any areas of our lives where we're suffering, where it's not necessary and eradicate it because there is so much suffering in the world and really it's like inescapable having issues and things to work through so our big topic for today is that concept of sometimes suffering is optional and again I want to really hammer home that not all suffering is optional some of it's just completely forced upon us and out of our control um, and I, we're not talking about toxic positivity either. No, not even for a second. It's just like if there is a situation in your life where you are like torturing yourself. Right. And like and putting up with something unnecessarily. You can end it and it must be ended. Yeah. And I think our credentials in this is that both Sava and I, and I, I won't obviously get into any details, but like. Both Saba and I have experienced real, genuine, forced-upon-us suffering, and we have also experienced real, withstood suffering that we didn't realize that we could just that we were put down. That we upon ourselves. Exactly. So we've experienced, like, both... Kinds. Both ends of the spectrum, and... At least for me, that's those are my credentials. Yeah, I think that for me, I have a tendency to catastrophize. It's this like self-preservation thing where if one small thing goes wrong, let's just let me pull an example out of thin air that's never happened. This is completely made up. I'm driving to work. I have a cup of coffee. Somebody slams on their brake in front of brakes in front of me. Coffee spills all over me. <clears throat> Not fun. Let's say <laughs> that my train of thought went, "Oh my god, my outfit is ruined. My day at work is now ruined. I always mess things up. Things always go terribly for me." Why do I even try? My life is sad. (laughs) This is how it will always be. Mm -hmm. And, like, I should quit my job and literally, like, burn all my clothes. Of course, that's never actually happened. But it has, (laughs) literally. Um, And so I've worked really hard to kind of edit those trains of thought I think to me if 
if I was honest, I do that because if I can mentally live in the worst case scenario, that at the very least I won't be taken off guard. Hmm. So I like do it to protect myself where I'm like, everything's bad. Okay, I can relax because now when everything is bad, I won't be surprised. That's interesting. So I've really tried to change that and actively changing those trains of thought are my most obvious examples of not participating in my own suffering. Um, So those are my credentials, but there are quite a few examples of this and I think we can like talk through different ones. Mm -hmm. There's only so much advice we can give because we also work through this all the time. Yeah, I don't feel like this is even really an advice one. It's just like talking through it right exactly here's a good one because I was thinking about this in my early 20s teens I think a lot of people can relate to this especially women you would watch your friends date guys that you didn't like or you didn't think they were good enough or whatever and I used to get so upset I don't know if this is a universal experience, but I feel like it is. Oh, yeah. Like, like, I can't believe he said that to her. Sarah, you have to leave him. Like, he is not good enough for you. And, like, you just get pulled into this. And she's like, no, I know. Like, I'm going to end it. And then she comes back and she's like, he apologized. Like, we're And you're furious. And you're just, like, wrapped up in all of this. And the older I've gotten, the less I've done that. Getting wrapped up in it, you mean? The less I've gotten wrapped up in it, really, because, you know, life just isn't as dramatic, hopefully, the older you get, but Mm -hmm. also because I was able to do the mental exercise of separating in my own mind, is this guy really, like, a dangerous, horrible, abusive person, or is he just kind of a douche, or, like just someone who I wouldn't choose for myself or for my friend. Right. And I had to separate myself and be like, I'm not participating in this. If yeah. I, if my friend wants to talk, I'll talk to her. If my opinion is asked for, I will give it. Mm-hmm. If I see any signs of something unsafe, I'll act. But like, I can't stop my friends from dating people that I wouldn't choose for them. Right. And, like, people you wouldn't choose for yourself. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so I think that if you're, if you're like, Achilles heel is getting so emotionally, like, worked up in what your friends, your friend's choices or, like, your family's choices, like that you don't agree with and you feel emotionally tied to it, Mm -hmm. it's very difficult, but it preserves your suffering to to try to let go of that. I think that's a big area that's worth trying to let go of. Yeah, because those are, I mean, arguably, aside from our own personal lives, our friends and our family's personal lives are the next biggest things that we're going to get so wrapped up in. And I'm glad that you made that point because years ago I was seeing a therapist and a problem that I have is that I've always, I've always felt 
like there's this expectation for me to be a mediator between people and like a mediator or a peacekeeper or whatever name you want to put to it. And I remember having this conversation with my therapist and I was telling her about a situation wherein I was really trying to mediate between two people and I was just telling her like it's just so frustrating because I'm putting in all of this effort and I'm trying to keep the peace and I'm trying to keep everyone together and like and things just aren't they're not getting better or like I'm just left disappointed or you know I I was just feeling like I was between a rock and a hard place because this is the kind of like the life role that I have both felt is required of me and that I've put on myself. I think it's a little bit of both. And I remember her telling me or saying like, okay, relay back to me one time where you stepped in on someone else's situation and it worked out and it made the situation better. And I literally couldn't tell her. There was nothing. There was there were no situations out of all of the situations that I've tried to mediate. And I don't it's not because I like think I'm so wise or it's not it's just like, you know, everyone Yeah, because I hate I hate seeing people that I love suffer. Suffer and at odds and you know, whatever. But in that moment when she was like, Okay, well just tell me like one situation where you stepped in and you stepped in or you were asked to step in and it was made better couldn't tell her I know. and in that moment Damn. yeah so literally every day since then or I shouldn't say every day but like every situation since then where I have been able to look at the bigger picture and say like is this worth it for me to insert myself and will I really be able to benefit these people the situation, myself, our relationships, or am I going to cause myself more suffering because I'm going to then feel like all of my efforts are being disregarded for nothing. Like I'm only disappointing myself. And setting yourself up for disappointment. Exactly. Where is my appreciation? Exactly. Where's my appreciation? Where's my payoff? Like what if I'm not seeing the benefit, the benefit in this situation being like happy, stable relationships and communication. Resolution. Resolution, exactly. If I'm not seeing that, then I'm feeling like a failure and I'm feeling like I've wasted my time and I'm feeling unappreciated and unseen and I'm feeling sad for the other people and I'm feeling sad for myself. And literally hearing her say that, I was like, I am choosing to hold a bowling ball over my head and hold it up all the time and try to balance for nothing. A thousand percent. And I will tell you what I thought of when you were saying that Mm -hmm. is I am hard pressed to think of a time in my life that someone like told me what to do or you know, especially where it wasn't asked right. or or stepped in, where I listened. I wouldn't. Even if it was the right thing, like, I think back to, you know, like, boyfriends in right. high school or whatever. But 
you know, someone tells you they're not right for you, mm-hmm. I would never listen. Like, that's, you, you just can't, you truly cannot control other people. And unfortunately, telling someone, you know, I've noticed the situation, like, I think it would be better if you did this. You can't transfer that information to their head. No. You and, can't make it click for someone. No. And depending on the situation, you may not be right. Yeah. Which, for all the older sisters out <laughs> there, that's like, you know, hard to compute. But really, I think get so much of getting older and or, you know, just maturing, hopefully mm-hmm. you're maturing as you're getting older. But it's, like, how to stay in people's lives and love them and support them without burdening yourself with their decisions. Yes, I think that's so true. And a really, really hard thing that I have been actively trying to do in the last couple of years, and this is going to sound kind of counterintuitive or maybe even just bad at a first glance but something that I've been trying to do is kind of like revert in my mind and tell myself that it's okay to just keep some relationships surface level and I know how weird that sounds because I am inherently someone who hates surface level anything and I always want my relationships to be deep and rich and meaningful and fruitful but sometimes there are people who are in our lives who will be in our lives forever and we we really want to have relationships with them but what's occurred to me as of fairly recently is that sometimes the best protection for myself and the way to like remove the optional suffering is tell myself, like, despite my best efforts, this relationship will never be the dream relationship I want it to be. Right. And for that reason, I can just choose to accept the relationship that it is and let that be good. Right. And I know that that sounds like I'm giving up on people, but I feel like it's honestly an opportunity to, like, In a weird way, it's just, like, an opportunity to meet someone where they're at. And, like, this particular person just doesn't have the capacity that I want them to have to develop our connection and relationship to the level that I would expect and like to have. And for that reason, I'm like, okay, well, I can remove this optional suffering, choose to accept the relationship as it is, and not put myself through this constant disappointment of thinking why are we not there yet and why are we not at this point and why, why am i being misunderstood like exactly why are they doing this why did they say that right exactly i totally agree and i think like depending on your personality type you probably like run into different versions of this like maybe you find yourself always like wanting people to like do the things you say because you think it would be better for them objectively that's like older sister control Mm -hmm. maybe it's 
I want this person so badly to like be there for me in the way that I want them to be and they're not. To let go is extremely difficult, but it is possible. It's extremely difficult, but possible. Yeah, definitely. Madeline's always telling me to put the mic closer to my mouth. I know, I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. I always forget. Um, And now it's like on my nose. Yeah, it's giving like Rudolph's little nose. (laughs) I want to talk about a different version of this. Okay. About optional suffering. Okay, bring it on. Financial. Mm. So oh, much financial no. suffering in this day and age. No. Um, yeah. I really, I feel like this is a big way that so many people that I know suffer. And by the way, I'm not saying that financial suffering is optional <laughs> by any means. I just mean I think it's one of the most common forms of suffering um stress anxiety conflict and Mm -hmm. it's worth having some tools in your tool belt Sava's like listen if you don't make enough money just make more money literally print more money yeah (laughs) yeah exactly I think like really what I've learned too is whatever amount of money you have There's no such thing as escaping money issues, money stress. Mm -mm. It just, like, gets, you know, weird and abstract. I'm sure Jeff Bezos has, like, issues that we'll we'll never know about, but it's just, like, an inherently emotional and stressful thing. And there's this quote that, like, changed my life, and the quote is by my mom. And I, I don't know where she heard it, but I'll tell a story. When I, I, I must have been in middle school, we got our textbooks, and textbooks even then were, like, so expensive. Mm-hmm. Like, what year was this? I don't even, like, my owner. It was probably, like, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. How old am I? 29. A little less. Anyway, I was in middle school, and these textbooks were, like, $60, which, like, adjusted for inflation is probably freaking, like, $200 for this book, and I lost one of them, and I was sick because, Mm -hmm. like, I knew that that, like, sucked for my family and how hard my parents worked, and I had, like, just lost it and made this mistake. It wasn't even, like, for a good reason. I felt so bad and, like guilty and just sick about it and I had to tell my mom and we'd have to get a new one and she told me at the time and I never forgot it and she's said it since she said if you have a problem that can be fixed by money then you're lucky Mm -hmm. and it changed everything for me because you know that's an oversimplification for a lot of scenarios, mm-hmm. but there are so many problems that you couldn't throw all the money at the world at and mm-hmm. it would be okay. And if you have, I think a great example is, you know, you have car 
like your car breaks down and you had you know however much money in savings and it all goes to that and like you just feel sick about it Mm -hmm. it's like a blessing that you had a problem and that it got fixed and it's over yeah that could be fixed with money and it changed the perspective because I've you know been in several unique (laughs) challenging financial situations or you know it's it's a complicated issue but I think a great word is like figure outable mm-hmm. if the issue is money like it's figure outable even yeah. if you're in debt it's mm-hmm. figure outable also I just want to make like a caveat that we're not talking about like we're talking about like people who have money that like Basically, what I'm trying to say is we're not talking about, like, people in full poverty, right? right? This is, like, completely that excluded. I just wanted to make that caveat that we're not, like, oh, well, if you can just figure it out with money, good for you. For people who are, like, in severe poverty, that's not what we're talking about. But I just wanted to make that caveat, and please continue. No, no, of course. And I, um, I think, too, like, I remember an example, like, me and you were talking to a friend and there was like, you know, maybe, I forget what it was, but it was like maybe some credit card debt or like a bad paycheck or whatever it was. And with a big upcoming payment or car troubles, I forget what the exact situation was, but it was like soul crushing anxiety. I'm like, was it me? (laughs) Was I the friend? You're like, you and me were talking to someone. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. um, because things feel so huge. I know. In the moment, in everything the moment. is too much. And I think this friend asked for, like, in the grand scheme of things, I think even to them now it wouldn't be that much, but at the time it was. Mm-hmm. It was, like, the difference of, like, a couple hundred dollars mm-hmm. that they asked for, like, a small loan from a friend. And it felt, like, not possible mm-hmm. at the time like I would never do that mm-hmm. and then they did yeah and it was totally fine yes oh I think that's the conversation where the like suffering is optional comes from yes yeah that's what we were talking about at that time where it was like because we were we were like looping Sharon in on the situation yes and essentially yeah we were saying like there's basically the situation that someone is having and it feels insurmountable because like money is I mean because unfortunately like we all have to live and play by the rules of money and it's also extremely hard to ask for help in any capacity of life Mm -hmm. it's hard to ask for help even emotionally right even from your loved ones let alone financially right exactly and I think that's where it came from because she was saying like you know and this is kind of similar to your mom's point like she was basically saying like you know what sometimes things are really uncomfortable and you don't want to put yourself in a position where you look weak or you look um what is the word like I don't know you you look irresponsible or you Mm -hmm. look this way or you look that way but at the end of the day sometimes suffering is optional and there are people around who are willing to help so that's one 
point where I, I think we should talk about what makes us suffer. Okay. And then see if we can, like, reverse engineer this. Okay, cool. Let's do it. we do our most suffering and then what parts of it are optional. Can I actually tell you something that I've kind of, like, already successfully reverse engineered? Yes. Okay, so, and this is recent, so I guess I'm just a little bit excited about it, but I I know that this is going to sound so simple and, like, so oversimplified, and probably everyone in the world has already heard this, so it's nothing crazy, but... When I, when it finally sunk into my brain that I was not responsible for other people's emotions, it, like, when it finally hit my brain, because I've heard that a thousand times, but it didn't sink in, and when, like, finally... Are you going to tell us how to let that sink in? Because I will pay you I so wish much I, money for this. I wish I could. I wish I could. I don't know, and, like, maybe we'll get to it through talking it out. But I literally think that this has been within the last six months, maybe, that I've, like, kind of really honed in on it. But it has been a life-changing realization because I always used to feel, and I still do, it's not like I'm completely cured, but I've gotten a lot better at it. But one of probably the biggest things that makes me suffer historically is this feeling that everyone's emotions are my responsibility and I just I don't know what hit me but one day I realized like even in a context where I'm a part of the situation of course yes I can apologize or I can take accountability for whatever the situation like my part in a situation might be but I I had this moment where I was like oh, okay, so I can do my part, but I can never control how other people react. Mm -hmm. And for that reason, I have to be able to just set it down, walk away, give them the time that they need to recalibrate. And, like, I can only get them so far. And that kind of sounds, like, very, like godlike of me that's not how I mean it but like I can only I can only do what I can do no a thousand percent and I think (laughs) something that I realized because sometimes I have like labored under the assumption that I can control situations and that I can control how people feel And then I realized, like, if a relationship or a situation is only being held together by me tap dancing Mm -hmm. or, like, bending over backwards, doing backflips, tap dancing, like, to to try to, like, make it work, then it's not actually working. Right. And that's also not a relationship you should actually be a part of. I used to think that that was success. Mm -hmm. And then I realized... If it's only being held together by, like, you killing yourself to do it, then Mm -hmm. it's not working, and it's not being held together. Right. Then it's one-sided. Which isn't working at all. Right, and that's not a real relationship. You're just, like, giving yourself the illusion that it's working. Exactly. So you have to be able to let go Mm -hmm. and do your part, and if it falls apart... With you only doing, like, your side of the work, then 
then it falls apart because it was always going to fall apart. Right. And I think that's, that's part of the thing for me is that suppose we're strictly talking about adults here. And this is something that my sister tells me all the time. But if I'm feeling really responsible for someone, like I need to remember that 99% of the day when they are not interacting with me, they are they are receiving and overcoming their own emotions 99% of the day without me. Without you. And so that yeah. 1% of the time where I am involved, they can do it on their own. Right. And that like literally didn't occur to me until very, very, very recently where I was like, why am I feeling so obligated to their emotions when they are functioning every single day in the world without me it's like it's i'm not that important of control. exactly and i'm not that important and i am not going to be like the reason that they overcome certain things and so i really had to realize like these are full-grown adults who they just live within their emotions all the time i am not that important and that's a good thing yes and i'm not that smart right exactly well thank you but i mean like thank you not in that way like i i was not put on this earth to solve people like to handle people's emotions we also i think like i'm gonna piggyback off of what you said about i'm not that smart because you are a genius but i think what you mean and what i mean is is we don't know everything Mm -hmm. and when it comes to these situations we very rarely see the full picture Mm -hmm. we see like one facet of people's lives Mm -hmm. we see one facet of everything Mm -hmm. and so you may think you know the best thing to do or the best way to go about stuff and you might be right you you don't know but there's so much else going on that you've got to remove yourself a little bit and and then uh, consider the possibility that you're not correct. At least consider it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, and I'm like kind of thinking about this for myself, because it sometimes really sucks thinking about all the stuff in your life all the like hard things or the times you feel like so down or really like the times you're suffering Mm -hmm. it's sad to think about a solid percentage of it not even being necessary yeah and I think that I want to leave everyone with some kind of rubric Mm -hmm. for like when and how to decide that you're participating in optional suffering and then how do you how to remove yourself and this is what I've come up with I want to see what you think and what you would add okay but basically when I come to a decision or come to a point where I like want to control something or I'm feeling so like horrible about a situation and anxious that it's like what would happen if things went exactly my way and I controlled it all and everyone did exactly what I wanted 
And then what would happen if I just didn't? Or right. I supported from the sidelines. Mm-hmm. And I think often, like, I trick myself into believing that my best case scenario is possible. But really, like, what I'm doing is, <laughs> is it's not, like, it's not possible. Like, I just want everyone to act how I would act. Right. And it's not possible. That's right. my my best case scenario is everyone being me. <laughs> and that's like if I really follow that thought through, I don't actually want that. Yeah. I think I have a good marriage because my husband would not do things the way that I would do it and he's a very different. So sometimes when we have a disagreement and I find myself being like I wish you would do it this way, my next thought is thank God right. you're different than I am. Yeah. And so I think I'm going to start asking myself more, what would happen if you simply didn't? Yeah, exactly. If you simply did not do that, if you simply didn't meddle or you didn't like... Call Taylor up. Or if you didn't think about it. Right. Because I just obsess over these situations. Yeah. Um. And I obsess over, like, what I should do or what I should say or, like, how, like, wronged I've been. And it's, like, let me ask myself, what if I didn't? Mm-hmm. And there are going to be some scenarios where it is worth it. For sure. It's worth it to, like, suffer and duke it out and... Right, push through all of that. Push through all of that. But I think there is going to be a good chunk of the time that I find that it's not. Yeah. I no, I completely agree. Honestly, there's not not a whole lot more I would add to that rubric because I think that's kind of that is another form of like what my therapist was like, so how many times has it worked out? That's like kind of just the more that's, that's the practical amazing, end of the question. Amazing question to ask yourself. Yeah, so I think exactly. So it's like what would happen? I mean, basically, this is exactly what you said, but, like, what would happen if it worked out the way that I think it should? Or what would happen if it didn't? And is that really going to be the worst thing? Like, would the world still be intact? Would I be okay? Mm-hmm. And then I think the next step is trying to remember that even though some things might hurt, if there are other people involved, obviously don't hurt people, but like if things might not work out the way that you hope, trying to remember that if there are other people involved, they are adults who have had to manage their emotions for their whole lives. And it'll be horrible to see anyone else in pain, but they've survived. And you are putting yourself through emotional distress trying to consider how to keep everyone else's emotions afloat. Oh, exactly. It's not worth it. Mm-mm. And I think if you do, if you ask yourself the question, what would happen if I didn't get involved? Or, and, and the true answer is that everything would fall apart. Mm-hmm. Then you should think about that and think about the fact that this whole relationship or scenario is on your shoulders. And right. That that's not healthy or sustainable. Right. And that maybe it should fall apart. 
Fair. Yeah, honestly, that's a super fair point. And I want to just make a clarification that like there's a huge difference between empathy and being attuned and being available to people's emotions versus being in a position where it is your perceived job to cater to and clean up and uphold people's emotions that's totally different like this is the difference and I'll just like paint two different pictures let's say you're like talking to your cousin and they're furious at their mom Mm -hmm. your aunt I'm making all of this up (laughs) um they're furious at their mom your aunt it's and they're calling you to tell you how horrible it's been the difference in the two scenarios is scenario a you hear how distressed your cousin is and you call your aunt and try to talk to them about like the situation and try to mend the fence and you try to like or oh you know I'm gonna talk to her husband and tell him like he should talk to her about the situation and like I'm gonna like talk to my cousin and see if I can get her to go like call her mom so this is all fixed that's scenario a scenario b is I'm so sorry you're going through that that sucks Mm -hmm. I'm here for you yeah and you're saved so much time and mental capacity and suffering exactly this has been a ted talk to myself no same (laughs) i feel so called out (laughs) by myself no exactly this is so ring wow i need to go sit in a corner somewhere no literally well this was one of the i wouldn't say darker episodes of girls on a soapbox but sometimes the topi- topics just hit heavier. Yeah. We like to pepper in... Some heavy hitters. Serious and unserious, because that's what our friendship is all about. So true. So true. Literally. Wow. Well, everyone, good luck out there with um, their suffering. Good suffer- luck with your Yeah, and your optional suffering. And bye. Love ya. Bye. Love ya. Bye. Bye.